Welcome to Making Waves, a radio show about sound art, produced by New Adventures in Sound Art. Two years ago, uh, we featured an interview with Udo Noll as part of our World Listening Day program that we did in uh, July, and um, I thought it'd be worth revisiting uh, that a bit more and uh, learning more about Udo Noll's uh, project uh, Radio Appari and its background and its various um, permutations, uh, if you will, or variations that it has. And I think the interesting way in which um, he thinks of radio and transmission and communication. There's a, a very interesting expanded sense of it that he has. And this interview is in connection to an exhibit uh, at New Adventures in Sound Art. Uh, it's uh, the Radio Apparee Geo Mixer uh, that we're including in the exhibition hall where uh, visitors uh, to the NASA North Media Arts Center can mix their own soundscapes from any part of the world. Here is Udo Noll. The name is Radio Appari, but it's an online sound map, uh, I guess, in, uh, ultimately. Um, why the name Radio, and how does that connect to the experience of visiting all these different places, these different recordings that are on uh, online? Well, actually, it, the, the history behind is different. It comes from, there are certain, I would say, streams, you know, <laughs> or directions of, from the past where the whole idea and um, this work and um, yeah comes from. And one important aspect is radio, actually. Well, yeah, the first sound map I ever experienced was the, the, the tune or the dial of old radio, you know, so which was my grand, grandparents' uh, house where you have this this furniture like radio receivers you know from the 50s from the heyday of radio everything was radio you now we have this furniture style and then you were very proud of your receiver and it was very big and present in the room you know so and you had these big scales and the magic eye this tube which shows the how how good the station is tuned and i can remember that i was spending a lot of time in front of this radio receiver and later I had my own, and which was a beautiful one, the Nordmende Raumklang was the German name. Raumklang means space sound. And that's interesting. It has a beautiful magic eye, you know, this green, greenish tube. And um, so it was kind of looking at you and you were tuning with the big dial to this big knob to names of strange places you have maybe heard and you have seen on the, on the map on an atlas before. And while you move through these uh, names, and and along with the names, you had this this linear scales which were which had meters on them, you know, and numbers. So it was at that time not very comprehensible for me what it means, you know. But later, but it never left me in a way. So I was I was it, I was interested in it. So I learned a bit about short wave, you know, how waves propagate, how that has to do with the atmosphere or the ionosphere, you know, how the space wave and the 
the one on the earth how they propagate how the space weather the sun and cosmic radiation influences this um this this uh, the propagation of of the airwave and um, how it influences the sound and um why does it's why radio all india which i listened a lot um at that time um sounds like it sounds you know this kind of shift in the pitch and um so that actually what you that the distortion and the noise you hear is influenced by by space you know and that by by the sun and by solar conditions in the outer atmosphere and this was totally fascinating to learn and um it yeah i was always it was always in my mind in a way you know so this is a kind of though this is i would say the first map i of course was not my um, understanding at that time but um i remember when i was about 17 or 18 i built my first radio transmitter from i don't know some electronics a short fm station and uh, i was at the, that time living in a small village where i grew up and i was broadcasting on the afternoon and some people uh, i don't know some 200 meters away on the in the center of that small village about 800 900 people so they were listening in the car radio you know to my station which was connected to the tape machine of my father and um i don't know how to yeah sort of empowerment you know <laughs> and and you could manage it you know it worked and uh, at the same time you knew about it and um beautiful so that uh, was very important source of inspiration and it was from the beginning connected to space when i encountered the internet first time that was about 9192 university account you know and a friend uh, gave me a modem and um <clears throat> so we were experimenting and then i was it was difficult to connect at that time because nobody knew how to do it but when it worked in actually in the end um i had an, after a few days of being in contact with this medium i was i had the immediate impression of space and a, an open field i don't know how to say but a kind of wide open field and um and immediately it 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 was the same experience which i had years before when i was experiencing and learning about the radio short waves and all this kind of technology connected to space and to listening and somehow i had that um similar or the same feeling when i was experiencing the early internet which was actually black screens with text at that time that was the time i don't know 92 the first browser came up mosaic and um well anyway i was kind of experimenting and building my own web server that was completely on my own and at the same time i was reading thomas pynchon's gravity rainbow <laughs> and um so it was all kind of you know it was kind of coincidence of different streams of consciousness and um and radio was a metaphor for it it worked for me because it connected these certain feelings and also knowledge in um in a way that made completely sense it was not necessary to to name it like this so radio apri is a kind of um this ex- this exchange and this uh, uh with space and with with time and with places in the world that like tuning into tuning into them with a shortwave but in this case 
you actually have access to recordings that are high quality and and uh, reflect a more realistic uh, impression of what that place sounded like. Um, is is that interest in the sounds of place? Uh, does that stem back to your youth as well? I would say not at the beginning. In the beginning, it was um, I also liked the the specific noise of the radio, and it was a kind of how should I say long distance patina, kind of the sound transported its its travel. So it had the it, it it was changed on its path from the source to me, whatever wherever that was, a kind of imaginary landscape. Mm. So the specific sound, not only of radio but also of telephone networks. I was experimenting also with telephone networks. This uh, kind of the typical sound of a distance, which you hear, which you had in in the specific sound of of this kind of shortwave radio and in the noise in between and um, and also on telephone networks. So that was something where I was, it was completely triggering my imagination and I was thinking about uh, what that means in a way. So it was slowly, at the same time I was experimenting with streaming on the internet very early, so in the late 90s, so with the first streaming servers and... Um, with own recordings, but it was not so important at that time to have high quality recordings of locations. Mm, but it turned out then that while listening myself to these recordings and to transfer and transport them over the internet to, to an audience, I recognized that it's important to the imagination of the of this origin of that sound, of the place and that location became more and more important. And I recognized that this kind of resonance you feel with a place which you are where you are not yourself but while listening to it that was that grew somehow it was kind of slowly approaching this experience and it grew more and more and then it sort of naturally made it into make my own recordings you know and thinking about how to organize them and what to do with them and what it has to do with space and with my own experience of place and that was then about the time when google maps started its first um, public geographic information system this the first google maps 2005 i think and in 2005 or 6 i started to experiment with that to just try to program with it and do some put something on the map you know so what you see nowadays that was not so clear that time but I experimented and it worked and then I yeah and then I things came together in a way in a kind of experimental playful attempt to combine space and sound one sort of small technical question I was divert I was connecting the radio roots but the word apparee what does that translate to in English uh is it a like a um is it a Latin word or is it a word referring to many places or is it a festive uh, that's that's what comes to mind but i maybe i'm completely wrong <laughs> yeah yeah it's um that's another important stream of the whole of the whole thing um it comes from literature it's an artificial word and it comes from um, um from the books of an uh, german avant-garde author of the 50s and 60s his name is um hans erich nossack 
is pretty unknown these days. Um, but he was um, in this avant-garde literature, literature scene in this time uh, quite an important person. And um, this name Apore um, appeared in several books in a different meaning, but there was a common meaning. So at, in one book, it, for example, it was a bar. Um, where some strange people, you know, they, they found a place, they're kind of refugee. In another book, it was um, an, an, an sort of peninsula after an unspecific but global catastrophe or some disaster, I don't know, where something had happened and people were also kind of refugees. They, they, they came there and it was not clear how, but when they were there, they had to deal with it. You know, it was kind of in another book, it was a state of mind. So it has some changing meanings. And um, when um, I was very into these books of this author and when I needed a name to put all these different streams into, it immediately appeared. And it was immediately a source also of kind of... Um, of further inspiration, so it it was uh, it still flows from these books into my ideas and work. So it was kind of um, yeah, it was an uh, it was not I couldn't avoid this name. It was just there when I needed one. And how do you see your role as with Radio Apri? Are you a curator? Are you a facilitator? Are you a designer? Are you a composer? Are you all of those things, or none of them? Or <laughs> yeah, well, that maybe maybe fits. Um, no, I'm not a composer. I wouldn't say that. I made a few pieces for radio, also kind of which I like, but that's very rare. So I do that every two, three, four years. I don't know when somebody asks for and if I'm if it fits. So I'm I rather. It feels like if you have a space where you invite people to be there, think about things, uh, start something kind of laboratory idea or kind of place where you exchange. Um, it feels private also, but then you open it to friends and these friends tell others and then you have a wider audience or maybe collaborations. So it's kind of um, an experimental space. In a way, there there is a, in my Berlin space. It even has a real space, you know. So where I, for several years at the moment it's rather paused. But I invited people there. We had screenings and little concerts and talks. So that was that that was a kind of physical expression of this Radio Apore work and idea. Mm, kind of, um, it's a state of being also. What is your connection to all of the different sounds that come in? Like when you listen to them, what is it that resonates for you? I've learned a lot while in the last 10 years listening to thousands of recordings. So um, the more I listen, the more I get an idea of um, what interests me. My ears are connected to many places in the world and um, I've started something where they, these things just arrive. I actually listen every day to new recordings, maybe not to the whole length, but anytime recordings arrive from new persons, I recognize them, I listen to them, they're immediately transferred into the radio stream, which runs parallel for many years now. And I'm listening a lot, and this listening is 
not always, but very often, oh, how should I say, it's not a replacement for being there, of course not. It, it gives me this resonance, is a kind of experience which I have when I go out, which I do a lot in real places. And if you sit there and um, if you get a bit, maybe if you have, you're lucky and you get quiet and you have a nice place where you can look at things and then it sounds nice or interesting, whatever. And then after a while, if I'm in a lucky state, you know, it uh, or in a good condition, then you, uh, the feeling which I then have with that place is sometimes it feels like a conversation. Of course, it's not a talk, but this is what I would call a resonance, that something in the outer, in my environment, responds to my presence. Of course, that's not an objective reality in a way, but I feel it like that, and it's a bit more than just an imagination because it connects me to the place. Very often it's natural or, or places where, where you experience nature, but, but it may also happen in a complete urban environment. And it always gives me a strong connection and even more insight and understanding of a place. And that often leads to an understanding. It's, um, I, I know more about it and, I, and that may add to something in future, or, or I don't know, to some understanding of, of um, how things are connected, how places work, how this area works. For example, at the moment I'm I'm doing a project, I'm invited by Peter Cusack, who maybe you know him as a field recorder, he's a friend of mine, we met quite often, we meet quite often. He he has organized a project in Berlin, um, in, a dist, in, a, in, a, in the northern area of Berlin, uh, for doing some sound walks. So I, choo I've, I choose the place in the north of Berlin, which is some um, city peripheral areas um, where you... You, well, after now spending two months there, I kind of obsessed with this place in between, and I, I, my, I'm concerned about the environment in the outskirts of Berlin, for example. You know, they have interesting nature there, but the city grows and has has a really demanding growth in this area. There's a lot of pressure. You feel how the city. There's a line of tension between these natural areas, which and the sharp borders in between, you know, you have the city here and then you have maybe in the immediate surroundings you have an, an habitat which is really important for animals, you know, so, and you feel uh, the politics, they, they, they have to negotiate with the, the people from the nature preserve organizations, you know, and you really feel that and you can go there and you can hear that. So I made a quite a, I don't know, some 20, 30 recordings right now spend a lot of time there, sit there in places and listen to this place and you can really hear it. You can hear the, the highway, you can hear the city, but at the same time you hear endangered species. And you really understand this kind of pressure which nature has at that point, but you see also the need from the city, you know, this kind of understanding environment is, by sound, is really something which I experience while listening and that's and I want to bring something back and use that material and maybe make it available to others and have something to work with so this is kind of um, a process of going somewhere getting in touch with these surroundings then bring something back 
maybe put it in a more abstract way or in a different context and um, make, make it available to others and um, start a discussion on it. So this kind of process is, is uh, it's just one at the moment happening there. So in a sense, through traveling to the different places on the map, one is encountering the ecological uh, conflicts and crises that are happening all around the world. They're just by the evidence of automobile noise or hum and uh, what species of animals or birds or what have you uh, happen to be evident. That's, that's, a, that's quite interesting. I think, and I find as I travel around the, the different locations on the map that I find, oh, there's urban sounds there. It looks like a, uh, on the map, on the, just the Google Maps, on the, initially it looks like, oh, this is, it looks like a little nature reserve here, but then you hear uh, urban sounds. Yeah, it's um. I'm quite concerned with these things from I don't know from my childhood days. I was uh, active in this uh, nature preserve organizations, uh, protecting birds and so on. So um, this is an, an, this gets more important the recent years because you you see um, this the effects all over the place and um, well. <laughs> The radio. The, I don't know if you if you've listened to the stream of Radio Apuri. This archive uh, is the source of a permanent radio stream, twenty-four hours streaming radio of Radio Apuri. But um, it also reflects. Um, it has kind of agents, kind of little software uh, tools, which recognize, for example, if a listener tunes in, and then. It tries to find out the place, and then it goes into the database and brings the sound as a kind of welcome for the listener. You know, so the radio is geographically shifting around the globe. Um, there are not so many listeners. Sometimes you have twenty, or some, most of the time you have maybe three or four or five. I don't know. Depends on. It's I never know. So it has it has to happen through the web in order for this interactivity to happen in a sense uh, for this. Uh, welcome uh, uh, sounds to occur. Yes, you have to listen through to um, web streaming radio, but it's um, it's many uh, it's uh, several times in a month. It's connected to FM radio in Berlin and Potsdam area. So um, there's a radio station there which I'm guys I work with, you know, and they they have it as a fallback if they fail, you know, kind of they send it if they have dead air they send radio up for the um, uh, field recordings. But um, I have also some some slots there where I use it actively for program. So I will I, and I choose recordings and I order them or even I go to an area and play some. Depends on sometimes out of the pocket. I created some tools where you can make this radio really on the on the go. You know, where you just have it on your phone and you can even invite people over messenger like Telegram or so, and they can interfere immediately with the radio. This kind of connects um, location and. So people over from you can build a group and you can play with it. It's kind of playful. How does that run? How do you use that? Is that on a web browser, or is there a different uh, interface for that? It's all um, driven by web browser, and um, uh, the, the this this group thing is working over this Telegram messenger, which is similar to WhatsApp, um, but WhatsApp refused. So I started in the beginning. The idea was, what's the cheapest microphone? What everybody has in his pocket you know and that's uh, the telephone and um, and it's quite expensive or difficult to manage an app all the time I, rec I know from the miniatures for mobiles the other project but um, so I decided maybe it's possible to use one and these messengers like whatsapp messenger or telegram which is a 
this actually the same, but from an independent Russian guy, I think used by some 500 million persons, I don't know. Um, they have this little voice messaging tool. So this, uh, and you can, you can create a group and invite people and then they can talk with voice. But I, one person is the Radio Apore agent, you know, so he lives in that group and only accepts the voice messages. And then there are several modes how this voice message can make it immediately into the running radio. So you can just, um, for example, we would form a group now. You can within a minute you can have a collaboration um, across uh, a group of people on whatever location. And um, so we made some kind of spontaneous readings or broadcast your location or whatever. You know. So this kind of the idea is how to how to combine the technologies from the internet with um, with radio. So how can you combine that? So then I can say something through Telegram and then it would show up on the, the Radio Apparee stream, on the radio stream. Is that right? Yeah, it's a, mm -hmm. yeah, a few seconds later it plays just. Or you can, you can, there are different modes how you can do it. You can, you can choose that it collects maybe some 10 messages and then plays them in a sequence. It's kind of different technical modes which, which influence how it sounds actually. You can put it on top of the running field recording stream or you can replace it, you know, kind of kind of switches how you can influence the sound. And but also you can so for example if you choose a kind of nice sound for what for the running field recording stream, which you can also select and then add your voice on it, you know, you can use it as a commentary or 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 even I don't know, it's open. It's just some tools which I then provide to others and they use it and we form groups. It's a kind of playful attempt to redefine radio in times of the digital networks. It certainly is a very uh, open, interactive radio, uh, the kind of uh, almost the Brechtian uh, model from uh, way back. Yeah. yeah, so for a while now I'm I'm thinking about the different ways how you can get sound and collaborative attempt into radio making and also sensors like live microphones you know this um, i don't know if you know the locusonus project from uh, france mm -hmm. yeah so i'm i running i'm running a microphone on that network but but the radio of radio apore has a direct connection to all these streams so i have an spe a special interface so i can pull some some live microphone into the running stream on Apore. So I do that by chance or whatever triggers. It may also broadcast live radio from live sources from these microphones. And it's beautiful sometimes because it sometimes adds up to a really nice geographic experience, you know. And um, at the moment, or at the moment, for a while, I'm thinking on how to make a radio which is actually where planet Earth is the source, you know, <laughs> kind of. How can you make a, a radio where you utilize these kind of techniques and also the coll collaborative aspects, you know, that you invite people to work together and um, but also use, for example, data-driven sources where you maybe do some sonification. Um, so I was writing to the... Potsdam researchers who are very famous in climate research, you know, maybe to get this kind of data into a radio so that you make a planet Earth radio um, where you can listen into the condition of, well, it's a big scale. I don't know how to do that, but it's that's something I'm 
I'm thinking on it for a while. If you can tell me a little bit about the miniatures project and then the other uh, outcomes of Radio Opry, like the Geo Mixer and other others that, that have come about. Yeah. I've also read about somebody who made a, an installation that was a kind of a sphere or something, that physical object that accessed the Opry cell map. When I was started with the Opry map in about 2006, Seven, six, seven, yeah. It, um, there were no smartphones around. I think the first iPhone was about 2008 or so, at least publicly available. And um, But they were the first phones where you can have, where you could have int- mobile internet and GPS sensors on the phone. And in my neighborhood in Berlin, there were quite a nice density of sounds suddenly, you know, because people were recording an old um, on market there, which is uh, twice a week. So you had where you got to know some 20 or 25, 30 recordings along the course of the market. So I thought it would be beautiful to listen to that market while walking there when the market is not there, you know, just walk through the sound from the archive, but on right at the location. And I thought about how to do that. And um, then these phones with GPS, the possibility to pull something from the internet, combine it with a location was kind of new and was there on a very old Nokia phone. I had at the time but it worked and I could make a prototype of something where you can go there at night for example and pull the sound from that place over the internet into your ears while you are there you know and it was a totally immersive experience you know <laughs> and um, yeah then I started looking into it and it became then a whole platform of uh, storytelling in the first in the beginning it was only for walking through the Apore sound map right at location but then I thought it would be interesting to make something uh, to, to connect narr- a narrative to a place. So while you walk, a dream which you had, you know, something you want to tell, um, kind of experimental sound work, a poetry or a documentary or something. Oh, so you could have voice elements yes. too, not just, voice, uh, not just soundscapes. Not, not, mm-hmm. not stay with field recordings, but really do some combination of things, you know, so... Because it should, I guess in this case, the primary recording medium is the phone rather than uh, uh, field recording equipment. No, so no, on. no, no. It's different. It's you. Oh. You create that. Uh, you create this piece. Actually, you know, a piece is one sound or many sounds. It can even be hundreds for an area. Let's say you have a square or a street, and then you you compose it um, specially on an editor, which is a website. And you really compose it. And then when you are finished, you just publish it. And then it's available immediately on the phone when you're in that area. Ah, I see. Okay. So the phone mm-hmm. is kind of, you, you, you can really use high quality recordings. But of course, you, whatever you want. There are pieces which are made in cooperation with National Public Radio, um, which are really totally well produced. But there are also beautiful pieces which are just made with a handheld recorder, you know. Um, so there are, meanwhile, I don't know, some 200 different pieces around the world created with these miniatures where, you can, where, the, where the receiver is the mobile phone with some earphones when you walk around and it, it adapts to the place by GPS and then it just starts the sound and you can have a continuous listening through that piece somebody prepared for you and at that location. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Well, that's interesting. For example, yeah. the, the one, one, one bigger piece was was uh, used made with recordings from the Stasi archives from the 70s and 80s so a group a theater group from Berlin they they pulled they they got these sounds from the archive and then they played they put it on the city 
map um, were these observation protocols, you know, from the Stasi, where they took place originally. So you could, for example, walk through a completely paranoid uh, Cold War Berlin of the 70s and 80s with the app. That was quite cool. Yeah, I could see lots of uh, possibilities with that that I didn't realize. Uh, what about the uh, the GeoMixer? How did that come about? I don't know. It came out of a boring afternoon. <laughs> it was nothing specific. It, I thought it would be nice to add some channels to maybe layer some of these sounds. And how would that be? And so I experimented a bit. And so I thought it would be nice to combine several layers and um, be able to um, create some performative thing which I can use as an instrument because I don't play an instrument but I would really love to but I can't so I thought okay you have a use a big body of um, interesting sounds you know maybe use them as an instrument that you can really play it actively and that was the uh, that that's how I use it quite sometimes you know that I make um, sometimes with a friend together performance uh, for hours that we just start um, choosing sounds and maybe if you just play the put a, the random button you know the then it starts and then you you remember something and then use the text search because you you remember something where you but you don't know where it was but you remember a keyword maybe and then you come into a, into an interesting loop of recognizing things by sound which give you some keywords in your mind, which you can use for a search, and then you find something else because the search is not so precise. And then you come into a mood of playing, and you you add another channel, and then you you spend hours, and sometimes it gets really a great sound. Sometimes it's boring or just arbitrary, but but it's an instrument which you can play, and if you're in a good mood and you have some luck, it, it works. So this was. Um, it started like this, nothing specific in mind. It was not a project. It was just a personal, um, playful attempt to to use the map in a different way. Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy listening to it this way. Uh, I love layering sounds and mixing sounds and making spontaneous decisions and being kind of um, you know interacting with what I'm listening to and uh, uh, and it facilitates all of that. And uh, sometimes other persons, uh, other artists, they, they use it, you know, this, uh, the, the, this project you mentioned that was quite nice. It's an artist, um, uh, he asked for access, for having a programmatic access to the database, kind of API access uh, that, you, that, that you can use. He sent me a coordinate and then he gets back a selection of recordings in a certain range around this location, for example. And then he used that for a um, physical installation where he created um, a sound sphere. That's how he called He's, it's, a, it's a kind of randomly moving ball on a plate which sl very slowly moves. And then every time it stops, it has a kind of light beam and then it shows in a direction and you and you can imagine the outer sphere as the you are it's like you are in the in in the in the middle of the earth you know and it shows to a certain spot on the on the surface of the earth and uh, it was an eight channel installation in a room so you had all the corners with speakers and um so he then he live connects to the database of apori and then he, so he sends the coordinates once this sphere stops 
and then it gets back the sound and then he plays it in the mixture so and um, so he makes a mix based on location and every time this sphere moves and the sphere itself makes a sound so it was quite a really interesting experience in a dark room when you had this uh, eight channel sound where you have this special sound coming from that geographic location you you had it was dark of course you can it was a nice interface i liked it because it was very um physical and uh, and it uh, really kind of um body experience well, what was the name of the artist again um alexander poshipil he's an austrian okay cool and what's uh, what lies ahead in the future for radio apari and related projects uh the sound map which is one of the oldest things on that um, since I started Radio Apuri is one of the projects I love most because it's slowly growing in a really in a good speed, you know, only a few every day. Sometimes it's 50, sometimes it's five, sometimes it's only one. You can manage contact with people. I mean, a lot of conversations and um, and this is open end so this uh, really this is the most um, sustainable project because it really grows and the more it grows the more it is also something to work with so this is something i really keep because i it's very precious for me because there are so many hours and days of presence of people in environments you know where they sit and listen and they bring back some minutes of that experience shared with others you know so i really have a lot of respect for that kind of physical presence in space and and that people share it on that platform so i feel um, um, responsible to keep it because uh, because it's worth it and because um, i've started and, and if i i invited it i i of course i enjoy it but it's um i really respect this this uh, the, this lifetime which people spend with this project for others so this is something i'm i'm i will keep as long as possible and i will take measures to make it even available beyond my possibilities because i share it i synchronize every day with archive.org for example so that uh, even if apure.org would disappear for some reason i don't know um, all recordings including all metadata would survive on archive.org so you could if you want reconstruct the whole thing from that archive so mm -hmm. this is something this is a slowly growing beautiful thing uh, everyday pleasure <laughs> so this is something i will definitely keep Speaking as one user, I'm very grateful that you have maintained yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I have a new server now and um, I will move slowly everything to a new powerful machine and hope that is the base for the next years. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, and how, do, how does somebody contribute to this that's uh, n never heard of this before? What's, the, what's, their way to, what's their way in to share their sounds and make sounds? Oh, for pretty easy because... Uh, so you just go to the sound map, which is on apori.org slash maps, or even the homepage, there's a link on to the map, and click where, where you've made your recording and um, follow the instructions. Very easy. You don't need a login. You can make a login for edit descriptions and your name and whatever and, and, and uh, make 
corrections and descriptions and all that. But it's very easy to contribute just um, clicking and um, then choosing the sound and upload it and then confirm an email which is the system sends you and then it's there. That's the only thing you need in order to contribute is your email address because I need that you exist and that, that I have to avoid spam and in case of questions I need to I need to have an, a contact so that uh, some I see that uh, the person is real and not a bot or something. And how many people do you think off the top of your head and is it thousands that have contributed to the map or hundreds? It's, it's or? Only, no, it's about 1,600, 1,700. Mm, okay. It's so, wow. not so many. It's a, kind of, it, it's a niche still. Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. But it's extensive. It's, uh, I think every continent is represented, is, is it not? Uh, yeah and there's a there's an uh, there's an there's a constant interest yeah definitely mm -hmm. and um many people use it also for their work it's not only to have it on apuri it's um the universities use it for workshops you know and um for classes they make um acoustic ecology courses they they use it for documenting their work and um different um within you have also as a user you have the possibility to create your own map which is always part of the whole, but it's kind of a thematic or geographic uh, selection which you can have under your own address, which you can include then in your work, um, which a lot of people use to make, uh, to let's say, if you want to make a project in Berlin, it would be difficult because there are so many recordings. But if you make your own map, you make only a selection of your recordings and you give it a different presence and uh, you can group things in another way but it's always it's not separate from the whole map it's just a subsection of the map which is its own visibility which is the tool which many people use for for their personal maps or for thematic maps or whatever that was Udo Noll in conversation with myself Darren Copeland in connection to the exhibition of uh, GeoMixer uh, Radio Apparee at uh, New Adventures in Sound Art in South River. And uh, you're tuned to Making Waves, a monthly program about sound art produced by New Adventures in Sound Art. And we're very grateful to uh, share our show with you here on WGXC Wayfarm. To take us out to the end of the show, uh, I'm going to listen to a kind of sampling of different uh, soundscape recordings. Um, this is using the Geo Mixer to, to play uh, two soundscapes at one time. Sometimes I have narrowed it down to just one, but um, uh, it can get quite rich. But the Geo Mixer can go up to five, so if you really want to create very dense, uh, lush soundscapes, then you can combine five different places in the world and, and hear them overlap, and it's quite interesting. Um, I picked locations to listen to, uh, starting in the South Pacific. I guess it was in uh, China and Taiwan, and um, uh, and then moved along some islands in the in the Pacific, uh, and then made my way to the northwest of uh, British Columbia and into Alaska. So there's their trajectory of the world. You can kind of perhaps imagine which sounds might exist in one place, but it does follow a kind of linear direction. This is Making Waves, and uh, we'll catch you next month uh, when we feature one of the artists behind the other exhibit uh, at NASA, which will be an interview with Garth Payne.